Self-worth is the unlock. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the Self-Care Savage podcast. A self-care savage is a term that I've coined that combines elements of self-care in a more assertive and bold approach to taking care of oneself and growing their self-worth. On the Self-Care Savage podcast, we will explore how self-care and self-worth are always in the driver's seat in all parts of our lives and how we act and react to life. Hey guys, on today's show, I'm really excited. We've got Shelby Stanger. Shelby is passionate about how we can use the power of adventure to improve our mental well-being. The journalist-turned-podcaster's work has appeared everywhere, from Outside Magazine and CNN to ESPN and the San Diego Union-Tribune. In 2016, Shelby started the Wild Ideas Worth Living podcast to dive deeper into stories of how the adventure in nature transforms us. Acquired by REI Co-op Studios in 2020, Shelby remains the host for the award-winning weekly podcast and has interviewed hundreds of adventurers, from those just starting out to famous people you've very likely heard of. A sought-after speaker, Shelby recently spoke a TEDx San Diego and keynote conversation at places like Creative Mornings, the Girl Scouts of America, and NPR. Always chasing adventure herself, Shelby has surfed in places as far as Canada to Costa Rica, sandboarded down desolate dunes in Cape Town, paddled down a remote portion of the Amazon River, and interviewed countless CEOs, athletes, activists, and thought leaders on assignment. She regularly consults with highly motivated individuals and major brands to tell better stories and even launch their own podcast and wild ideas. You can find more at shelbystanger.com. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm really excited. We've been talking a little bit already, and I've already jacked up, but I've got Shelby Stanger. And Shelby just has released a book called Will to Wild. And I've been uh, listening to it. I'm not quite done with it yet, but it is, uh, everybody needs to go read this book because it is so aligned with what I promote in the outdoors and connecting and as she calls it, wilding and, and, and all it's, it's just amazing. But she is actually the host of REI's Wild Ideas Worth Living and Vitamin Joy 
podcast. And again, she has her book, which you can order anywhere. But they are her podcast, I do want to mention, was something that she created. The Wild Ideas Worth Living was her idea. She created She brought it to life. And uh, REI became a sponsor, which she sought out, which was very aligned. And then they, they end up owning it. And she's, she's still the podcast host. So I'm just very, very happy that you're here and, and so excited. Well, thanks for having me, Scott. It's really cool to meet you. I've heard a lot about you. And when I found you, I was like, this guy's message fully aligns. And, you know, I didn't expect it to come in the package of you. But like, you're an <laughs> unlikely character to be promoting yes. this. But it's what makes it so great. That's your secret sauce. Absolutely. And, um, I, you know, we, we don't have enough self-care savage in the world. So it's just a beautiful thing that you're doing. Excited well, to talk you. to you. Yeah, appreciate it. Well, you know, like I said, I've been diving into your book uh, these last few days, you know, about a bit on trail a little bit. And and um, like I was telling you earlier, it is I envy I envy the way that you're able to tell your story and tell the stories of people that you interviewed. And 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 I, I was I'm a very visual person. So even from the very beginning of the book, when you're talking about you know, uh, you're surfing and, and you were talking a little bit about kind of starting out and, and, and kind of where you were surfing at it, but you would talk about the environment. And I think you were trying to overcome a fear. You have to correct me on some of this, but overcome a fear uh, around what you wanted to surf. I think you were wanting to surf this one particular spot, but you were talking about uh, the just describing it and, you know, describing a little bit of, you know, what was bringing your fears up. A little, there was some danger to it. I mean, if you you wiped out. I'm, I'm sure it was not going to be a pleasant experience, but you know, from the, you, I latched on to things, just the, the talking about the muscles, you know, that were connected to the, the rocks and the whatever else, you know, that, that <laughs> underwater or whatever they're connected to, but just all those things, I can get a lot of visuals out of that. Um, to then when you just get into the stories with the other people and, and, um, uh, I think that that's gift. That's a gift, and and whether it you were born with it or the you learned it, uh, overcome anything from overcame anything from it. It's just absolutely incredible. So well, I learned thank, a lot. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've been writing since I was a kid, so I'm lucky. My my mom was always a really great storyteller naturally, and I started writing at age 11 in a diary, and then I ended up writing for newspapers at age 15. I wrote for a magazine at age 16, and so I went to journalism school, thought I was going to be this like hardcore CNN journalist, interned at CNN, didn't become a CNN journalist, decided to instead cover action sports and adventure, which there wasn't anything really carved out for that in 2001 when I graduated, but I finagled myself into jobs and roles where I could write about adventure. Sometimes that meant taking marketing jobs for a little bit, but eventually I quit the job became an adventure journalist full-time in 2009, which led to starting a podcast because I've always liked the interview part of journalism the best. And eventually that led me to writing a book. But I'm going to tell you, Scott, I wanted to write a book for like 20 years or more. So there was a lot of pressure to finally write a book. And I didn't imagine that the book would be this book that I have out now, Will to Wild. I thought maybe I'd write a memoir, but I don't know if I have enough life experience to fully 
tell my memoir. And um, there's too many family members still alive to really write the memoir I'd want to write. So (laughs) instead, I wanted to convey this one idea that I'd been really studying almost accidentally since I was a kid, which is adventure is an incredible way to heal, to gain courage, and to change your life. There's so many things people are doing right now to change their life from and and it's okay. It's 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 great that people are trying new things. But there's nothing like an adventure, even a small one. And you know, it's an adventure if it's an adventure to you. So we're not judging sizes of adventure. But adventure builds courage. You're out in nature. You can heal. I mean, there's just so many layers to it. And I'd also read a lot of self-help books and I'd read a lot of adventure books. And there wasn't an adventure book out there that talked about what happens when you go pursue an adventure. How do you deal with fear, imposter syndrome, telling your partner, your parents, or your boss that you're going to go be selfish and take a couple weeks off or a month off or a year off or however long you're going to do to go do this thing. And then what happens when you finish your adventure? You know, sometimes there's a little bit of depression and fatigue, which people weren't talking about but they were talking about on my podcast. So I just took a little bit of memoir. I took stories from people I've learned and lessons from my own adventures and put them all into kind of a step-by-step journey on how to go live out your own will to wild, especially if you're starting stuck or if you're scared or afraid, like I was when I started the book at a place called Rock Pile, which you're talking about where there was a surf break in Laguna Beach. And basically if you caught a wave at this one wave and you messed up, you would hit rocks. And it was very scary, but um, it's not scary to very advanced surfers, but to me, who was very intermediate at the time, it was terrifying. It's still scary if it's big there, but um, it's a great wave. Well, yeah, I got everything you just talked about was, um, you know, what I was experiencing, you know, with, with what you were telling. I Everything you just said is, is I, your path and, and, and the journey. You know, one thing too, and it was mentioned a, a, a couple of times, um, you know, Ryan, I really latched on to too, because I was an administrator for an adolescent residential treatment center for years. So I, you know, coming from the, him coming from the streets and then progressing through, uh, especially being a minority and, and all, you know, that those are, that, that's, those are so, that's a, such an inspiring story. And just, you know, that whole, everything about it was, and, and it, it was through an organization you were volunteering with, or you've been working with for years and, you know, and the, the game changers in this world we need and what you're talking about and um, your book and, and, and the connection with nature, all these things are just not promoted enough. They're not talked about enough, the value of it enough. You know, I get on, I, I'm a, I get on a therapist a lot and I, I, you know, I just have a lot of background, so I have way too much information, but, you know, even though they'll work with people in therapy and they'll, they'll even put in the treatment plan or the goals or whatever, when they work with somebody, you know, it's in that top three, I've talked to Paul about this. There's always in that top three, there's always going to be go outside, go into nature, go walk, go do anything. Uh, along those lines. But the problem is that community itself as a whole, the therapeutic professional community doesn't do that. Medical doctors don't do that. 
Most of them don't. So I'm going to trail back to a couple of things you said. This is the other thing that I really admire about people like you. And, and I'm going to, I hope you write a million other books and go deeper in this because. I don't know if I want to write another book, Scott. That was really hard to write a book. <laughs> well, I didn't write anything like you wrote. And, and it, gosh, that would just drove me crazy. Not only do you tell the story, but that other piece that a lot of people don't don't have, you you have solutions. You you give them ideas of things to think about, and and that is that's that other piece where that's that's guiding people somewhere. Not only you know saying, hey, here's what's worked for me. Here's what I'm doing. Here's the people I experienced, and you know, and here's some things that might help you if you decide to go down that that path or that road. Um, and then the you talked about when people come off the the adventuring. So I went on the AT last year. Nice. Uh, and um, I um, got 1436.2 miles. So I got all the way from Georgia to New York. But and what happened with me was um, because you know it's something else in your book I, I hopefully I can remember to talk about. But I um, got a severe blister on my toe. Mm. Okay, I just started with my toe, and I pulled some of that some David Goggins thinking and things like that. If you've ever been on the AT, the AT is wet and it rains, so this blister started, and so I started wrapping it. Well, I wrapped it, and then it, I'd let it go longer. So I ended up taping it for like four days. It was just a lot of rain, a lot of gushing around. And I did not untape it until my foot was, it was on fire and I was in so much pain. I had to, I drug myself about nine miles, got to this, this trailhead. Um, the, of course, I had no cell service that, you know, in this particular spot I was in. Anyways, ended up, you know, getting some assistance and getting into a, a urgent care. So that took me off the trail, but, but <laughs> that goes back to what I was going to talk about. There is trail depression. There is that adventure depression. There is that piece that you're like, for someone like me, I was right in between what, what now what, 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 you know, this, yeah, this is a little too early. You know, I still needed another six weeks to a couple of months to, to keep going. So, so it just kind of, you know, changed, changed a lot of things, but yeah, it, to your point, you talk about people when they're done, kind of what you do after that. And, and, and I think there's a, there is like anything else, you have to be in a mental state to be ready and take care of yourself. It's hard and it's a never ending journey. You know, you kind of mentioned how I wrote this book and it was an untraditional kind of idea. It was a little challenging to sell the idea, but I am not a huge reader like you. I'd rather be outside adventuring. And so I wanted to write a book that was easy to read, that had a lot of different types of adventures. So people could relate from, you know, a 55 year old who started really getting into adventure in her 50s and became an ice climbing guide at age 55 after, you know, being a mom to, you know, twins who were young and paddled from Alaska to um, San Diego, actually all the way to the border of Mexico and San Diego on paddle boards to, you know, the first outdoor drag queen, um, a body positive runner, my own story and everything in between. And I wanted people to also have, if they were already read the book once or they just wanted to get quick tidbits at the end there's just like advice on kind of what to do and I'm not an expert I'm not a therapist I'm not a doctor 
I've just interviewed a ton of people who are a lot like me and, you know, adventure has helped them in their life, whether they need to make a change or maybe it's like change a habit, maybe it's change a relationship, change a job. Adventure for me has always been a good catalyst to develop the courage to then make that change off the trail in life. Um, But yeah, I think, you know, when we do an adventure, if sometimes we set out, we prepare something like the AT, which is really hard, takes a lot of prep, takes a lot of mental energy, takes financial energy, everything. And sometimes it doesn't always go as planned. I mean, (laughs) that is what an adventure is. When it doesn't go as planned, even Yvonne Chouinard says, like, it's not an adventure until something goes wrong. But that's where we grow and that's where we learn. And sometimes the best parts of ourselves developed. It's not easy. But when you're in nature, you do get these wonderful metaphors that you can apply to your life. I think in some ways, the reason why I like adventuring in nature as a catalyst to change is because when you do an adventure in nature, it sort of tricks you into being present and almost meditating. You know, try and surf a wave, climb a rock, and you have to pay attention. You have to focus or you'll fall. Even when you're hiking for long distances, you know, you kind of have to get into a flow state or a meditative state and you don't mean to. Also, I think there's so many great things in nature. You know, nature doesn't really care how much money is in our bank account, who we are, what we look like, what our political views are. It's kind of a great equalizer. You know, it's not always, yeah, it's not equal to get to nature always. That's true. And people will judge, but nature doesn't really judge and you know, what I've learned is from nature recently, a lesson that I've learning is to appreciate the imperfections in myself. You know, I have this autoimmune condition called vitiligo that makes patches of my skin turn white. And it's maddening because I'm pretty vain. I'm from Southern California. I'm often camera facing. And, you know, I look at trees and some of the coolest looking trees have spots on them or like curves or weird things on them. And They're not judging themselves, at least, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a tree, but I'm assuming that they're not judging themselves. And um, yeah, but I mean, that's gnarly that you went through that on the AT. And a lot of my friends love David Goggins. I think we all do. I love David Goggins too. But like, I have a friend who even wrote his book. Um, He's the guy who ghost wrote the book, Adam. He's great. And I don't necessarily like, I think David Goggins is a great person in this world, but I don't exactly adopt his philosophy because I've learned recently that rest and self-care for me is a better antidote. You know, I didn't also have his upbringing, his lifestyle, so I can't relate. I think, you know, David Goggins is awesome. And he was also trained, you know, in the military. So he was trained for war. So I think, you know, in everyday life, I don't necessarily think some of his philosophies apply. Um, But Don't get me wrong. Goggins comes in the back of my head when I'm running too. I'm like, come on, Shelby, you know, do this. Or what does he say? He's so funny. Um, He has a saying that he says that's hilarious. But yeah, stay hard. Stay hard. (laughs) Stay hard. I mean, I definitely, I love it. You know, I mean, I I try to stay as hard as I can. And then when I know I'm going to actually break myself or injure myself or it's going to be detrimental to my body, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get soft and that's okay. Did you did you read his book or listen? Oh, to Oh, I loved his book, yeah. and I actually have a a mentor and friend who hired him and wrote a book called Living with a Seal, Jesse Itzler. And I mean, G- 
Goggins is a legend. Like he's he's wonderful, and his upbringing was hard, very hard. Yeah. Oh, and that's what I related to. So mm. he and I, same story, same but different. If you know what I mean. Same, yep. same circuit, just different. So that's Challenging that's what childhood. really got me. And, and I read it six or seven years ago when it came out. That was one of those things that boom took me from. It was one of those leap frog moments for mm. me and my self care and where I was going because it was all about this. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you can get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash SelfCareSavage. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash SelfCareSavage. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Well, well I want to touch on one thing. So, like, there is a woman in this book who's a Holocaust survivor. And she says, don't compare our suffering. You know, she's a Holocaust survivor and she's a therapist. So imagine going to her as your therapist. It would be hard to probably bring a problem to her knowing that she went through Auschwitz. Like, there's probably nothing that we can imagine worse than Auschwitz. She says, Shelby, we need not to compare our suffering. Everybody has their own prison in their own mind. And that's what they need to be attention to. And we each have a choice. And she also is the one who taught me that self-care is not selfish. Yes. So yeah, I heard you say that too. She's also became a sex therapist, right? Yes. And she's <laughs> hilarious. And she told me that the key to like life is a good orgasm or something. And it was yeah, so was, embarrassing. She told me that funny. right in front of my boyfriend. It was hilarious. But here's the thing. So you, you have to remember, and I, I don't, I'm not trying, I just really need to recognize people that have an impact on me. And you did with your, with what I've listened to Thank so far. You. Here's why. And here's the storytelling. It's just like the story you told about her. And when you first started talking about it and talking about her story, I was there. What was in my head was not the, the same people. It didn't look like that. It wasn't the same, but it was a desolate kind of environment. There was the, what I've seen pictures of, of the, you know, popped into my head of those kind of environments they were in and, and, and standing in line for the, whatever was going to happen to them when I got in the buildings to, to all that. But then what really got me engaged in this and was like, was when you talked about the soldier that walked up and found her. It, it was it was her that um, uh, the soldier's walking by a pile 
of dead bodies. And he saw her hand and pulled her out. Her back was broke. I'm so great. It just brought me right into a whole grateful state of, oh my gosh. And then just like, how can, how can anybody? And then after, especially after getting through your story and the, and how she healed, you know, her healing and then getting back out and going, engaging back in the world and then becoming a fair, all this stuff. And I'm like, that is just incredible. How could I ever be <laughs> concerned about anything that's, that would happen to me or happen to me? That was so incredible. And then just the twin, again, I, I'm not going to get off on too much of this, but the twins and all, you know, I'm seeing them on their boards and I'm seeing them with their gear and what maybe they've overpacked with. Just, I'm just seeing all these things. I'm just, I'm just watching this playing in my head. Well, incredible. thank you, because I fought my publisher about including pictures and lost that battle. So I'm really glad that you enjoy the, the book without the pictures. And I guess you're listening to the audio book, which is my voice. So that's oh, really fun. Absolutely. So that was the other thing, too. And I, anybody that, that uh, on here um, that's listening to this podcast, I always recommend is, is you definitely got to do the audio book. You know, certainly grab the book and, and, and have it handy. And, and I like the audio book better, and read too. It. But the audio is amazing. It's just it's just better. It's your, yours is. Some people are, some people aren't. Well, you're going to get to some if you're you're not yet at chapter eight. And I have to say a couple words that make me very awkward. So you um, you're in for a treat. That's where we get into humor um, and fear. And it's probably my favorite chapter because, you know, the whole book is really about fear and how we get over fear using nature as a catalyst to change. But, you know, in the fear chapter, I interview Alex Honnold, who has a very interesting relationship with fear. He has it like the rest of us, but you know, he's, he's kind of in his camp of his own, but he also uses humor as a salve, which I think is sort of this underrated tool that a lot of adventurers use and that you have to kind of have when you're on an adventure because things will go wrong. If you sit there and you beat yourself up about it, it's not going to help you in the wild, especially, but if you can sort of like problem solve and then maybe laugh about it, that will give you fuel to keep going. Laughter is such a powerful, powerful tool that we can use in life. And one that personally, I like, you know, I have a little bit of an inappropriate sense of humor. It's more like a 12 year old boy, but I, I laugh at like kind of silly things. And I don't know, I just find that humor and laughter is just such a beautiful part of the human experience. It's one that the last couple of years has been hard for our society currently, but I think we're all finding our collective sense of humor. So anyways, I'm excited for you to get back to that part of the book. And thank you for your kind words. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, all these other things that, that you, you touch on. And, and again, you know, um, it, it is with uh, going out and anybody going on an adventure is, especially if you've already been on one, it, you are, you, you do, you, you, it's, it gets easier because you start understanding that, that again, things are, it's, things are going to go wrong. I mean, there's, we let's you plan everything you want and do whatever you want, but it's going to rain. It's going to, you know, you don't, you can't predict, you know, this, uh, there's just, you can't predict things. So it's a, but that's the beautiful thing about it. It's, that's why I like to do when I do things, I want them to be hard. You know, when on the AT or where whatever it is you're doing, those those stress points. How are you going to respond? How are you going to, to handle them? It's just like what I tell people about going outdoors. 
is is there, it's the it's healing the mind, the body, and the soul. But those are those are good messages that you talk about in here too, because you also talked about for a minute about how you kind of were get you get went a little hard on yourself for a minute and messed yourself up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, there was like a a season where I was trying to be this like adventure journalist, and at the time there wasn't many female journalists, so I was trying to do these crazy things like. I got invited to paddle a portion of the Amazon River. I was surfing waves way out of my league. I was dating like every adventure surfer, stuntman out there. I was a little bit of a dragon slayer, PG-13 dragon slayer. We were just kissing. But, um, you know, I was kind of an animal. I was like this Amazonian version of myself. And what I learned, and I wouldn't have learned if I hadn't done a couple of adventures in nature is I learn to yield to the softer parts of myself and to surrender. And I think, you know, when you're in the pain cave, you are sort of forced to surrender and kind of be your most authentic self. And you kind of have to scrape away all the BS and all the extra stuff and the stories you tell yourself and let that stuff go. And I've just never found like a faster way to do that than to go out and do an adventure. Um, for me, I, I didn't discover that I was becoming an Amazonian version of myself until I literally went to the Amazon and I, I got asked to paddle a remote portion of the Amazon River in Peru. It wasn't hard. Anybody could have done it. Your grandma could have done it. We stood on inflatable stand-up paddle boards and paddled down. But mentally, it was a mind F because we weren't sure what was below us or lurked underneath us. And as as you can imagine, it was not the rainy season. And what did it do? The first night we camped, it downpoured on us. We woke up. Um, we had we wore these. I wore these really cute capri pants. Um, I honestly wanted to wear a bikini, but I had DEET. I had bug spray. I had all this toxic stuff that I would never use today. And every inch of my body that was not covered in actual clothing, they didn't care about the DEET. The Amazon bugs just mauled. They're probably sand fleas or sand flies or I don't know what they were. Water Are these bugs. the big bugs you talked about? No, they were little bugs oh, okay. and they just destroyed me. And you couldn't really see them. And my ankles swelled to cankles. We were so itchy. It was so hot. Our photographer got chased by a mini crocodile. I had to stand off with a turkey vulture when I was trying to go to the bathroom. And it kept sticking its neck out at me back and forth. And I don't think it had ever seen a human before. So it didn't know what I was. I knew it. I wasn't really sure what it was either, but I had to go to the bathroom. Um, and, you know, eventually we kept paddling and our guides told us we were going down this river. We had guides because we weren't stupid. I, I highly recommend hiring a guide when you can, especially if you haven't had a ton of experience. Guides are not that expensive depending on what you're doing. You know, there's always a way to find someone who's an expert who you can pay, not necessarily even with money to like come along with you um, if you're scared. Or you've never been to the Amazon before. Anyway, so we had guides. They told us to round this corner into a bend um, that went into a cove. And the area was called a clay lick, which is a giant cliff made of clay, basically. And birds feed on it. And as soon as we rounded this corner into this cove, the sound of, we were on stand-up paddle boards, the sound of our paddles hitting the water sent hundreds of birds flying. And the sight was incredible because these weren't just any birds. These were wild macaws. So they're parrots, redheaded, blue-bellied, scarlet-beaked, a mix of each. And at that moment when I saw these colorful birds, every single one of us in the group, our jaws dropped in awe. 
And after that, the rest of the trip flew by. But I think that's the point of nature is there's so much in our life that's predictable, but there's still these, you know, especially now with cell phones and technology, et cetera, in nature, there's still a lot of places and things to do that are unpredictable. And that's when we can experience this crazy emotion called awe. And the reason why I think it's so awesome and so amazing is that awe can instantly take us out of our heads. If we were in a bad mood, maybe we had a fight with our boss or we were in traffic or we had a hard day at work. After experiencing awe in nature or anywhere, something happens immediately afterwards. You forget about your crappy mood. You soften. You become more grateful. You realize kind of how much smaller and more connected we are to each other. And then your ability to get out of your own way so you can do the thing you want to do without resistance automatically increases. And I think that's why you're so drawn to adventure. And if anybody wants to try this, go look up at stars. It's the easiest thing to do. I live in a city, so there's a lot of light pollution around me, but I can drive 15 minutes inland or I could go to the beach and I can see some stars anywhere. And, you know, realizing how small we are and yet how connected we are to each other will help dissolve this sort of extra noise that some of us have, this noise that's not helpful and let it go. Yeah, I think when you were talking about that, I remember, you know, which was, of course, you mentioned grateful too, but everything you just explained is, you know, kind of things washing away with that awe and everything. And, you know, it brings you brings you into perspective of where, you know, the world's really big. I mean, there's just a lot there, but it brings you right here, brings you right into the now. Mm, and the that's, now. Exactly. that's what's so important where we're not, we're not, enough of us aren't in that place. And that's the whole point about is get, putting yourselves an opportunity to whatever can help get you to where you need to go. Like it, that's, that's the amazing thing when listening to you talk, because when you were telling the story about the stars and all that, I remember that part too. And you were, you also talked about, you know, finding a tree to sit in, looking at the clouds, you know, uh, the different shapes, you know, just there, there's not, Anything you won't find if you'll take a walk, especially when you can take a walk and get rid of some of that noise as much as possible to where you're just hearing what is actually in nature, you, you, there's a connection somewhere. You're going to find your connection. You, if you want to hug the tree, hug the tree. If you want to, you know, look at, look at the clouds or go at night and, 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 you know, take some sleeping bags, lay, lay on the beach somewhere with somebody like you, you know, you talk about, look at the stars every, you, you find those things that bring you, that help bring you into that now, which takes you out of the past and what you're, you're staying in that leads you into all that fear of thinking about the future. And, and, and when, if we just get here, if we can, just get here and stay in, in this more. We, uh, that's where the healing, that's where all of that stuff can, can calm down and happen. You know, you talk a lot about failure and that's something that's, that's challenging for a lot of us, but I think it's why it's so good to try a sport like rock climbing or surfing because you fail a lot 
And you learn to like love failing. Like falling off of a surfboard is super funny and super fun. Same with rock climbing. You're going to fall a lot. And, you know, fail and fall enough times that trying gets easier and the success actually starts happening more and more and more. But you can't ever have success if you don't try. And so I know you talk about that and I love that you talk about trying. And I think that's what's so cool about adventures. Like starting is the hardest part of any adventure, just getting to the trail. That is the hardest part. Finishing is the icing on the cake and it's great, but it's usually pretty anticlimactic as we've noticed, you know, hiking the AT, sometimes it was pretty anticlimactic. You had to just kind of get off of it. But starting, that is where like the secret sauce is, I think. Yep. Just start, right? Just, you even said that in the book, just, just start, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it's really important. You know, um, you know, I, one of the friendly reminders that, uh, I did a while back and I probably need to re repurpose that or re, 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 reboot that. But I said, you know, and I remember exactly where I was when I was talking about that. I was in Colorado and I was around the Durango area, but the, the, the friendly reminder and what I said was, as I said, if you're not willing, if you're not willing to fail, you're, you're never going to learn. You know, what the, you talked about, it's just not, it's an idea that you have. It's something, if that wilding, you know, that, that taking that adventure can be starting a business. It might be going and starting that rock climbing, but the, the story you told about those, the, the guy starting the rock climbing. Uh, yeah, but he didn't yeah. start his rock climbing business. Until he went on the trail, you know, he got, I think some of the best ideas come when we're outside in nature and, you know, he was definitely suffering and he was in the pain cave. He actually biked from Alaska to Patagonia and it was seven months later while he was all the way at the end of Patagonia when he was like in the pain game, pain cave, the the wind was going like completely at his face. He was going about five miles an hour, which in the bike world is, is pretty slow and he wasn't going anywhere. And he had this idea that he would imagine everything that brought him joy. And he imagined this rock climbing gym with a community and a barbecue and it would be open 24 hours a day and there wouldn't be a mean front desk person. You would just be able to enter with like an honor system. And he ended up creating this. And what's so cool is that when he came back to start this business, he was able to get investors very easily because he's a guy who basically said he was going to go bike from... Alaska to Patagonia, and he didn't really have any experience. He had never ridden a bike with clip-in pedals. He had never really camped properly before consecutively, and he did it. And so here was a man who said he would do something and did it. So people trusted him and decided to invest with him. And now he has like six big community-based rock climbing gyms around the country, and they all have an emphasis on kindness, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, which I'm is another thing climber, we lack but, in this world a lot. Yeah, but yeah. kindness, not just to other people, but what you talk about, kindness to yourself. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. 
In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You, 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 the only way that you're better for others and the only way that you're ever going to be is you have to, you have to get there for yourself. You have to be better for yourself. You have to learn. And, and all that is going to include being kinder, not only being hard on yourself, you got to go hard on yourself. Sometimes you got to, you got to go through the pains. You got to go back and heal. Sometimes you, and you have to be brave enough to do that. And, 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 and it's amazing when you can, you have to start learning to forgive. And, but, but all that is about being kind and, and having compassion, not just for others, but yourself first. Look, you can only love at the level that you love yourself, in my opinion. It's you've got to start leading by example, doing and showing the talking doesn't doesn't get it. And you can't. Well, actually, I think I think acts of service and getting outside and helping others along the way is a really cool way to get out there. My best friend started an all woman surf school called Surf Diva, and she's probably the one person in my book who's touched the most lives in the world. And as a young girl, I taught surfing to women. And I think I learned as much about myself getting over fear and helping women getting over their fear of the ocean and of waves. So like if you can take someone else hiking, I know you're trying to get more social, but introducing someone else to the outdoors, showing them stars, taking them rock climbing, taking them surfing for the first time, it's a pretty incredible feeling. And you haven't gone to this part of the book yet, but I won't give it totally away, but there's a section on trail angels. And there's a couple in San Diego that, well, you've done the AT. So like, you know what trail angels are. On the actual trail, they're people that magically come and give you rides when you need it, provide water, fresh fruit. But there's a couple in San Diego that does this full-time every year at the start of the PCT season. And they don't ask for money in exchange. They just love being on the cusp of someone's life-changing adventure. They do it out of the kindness of their heart. And the only thing they ask for people in return is to pay it forward. Oh, yeah, you've got Barney and Sandy. Barney Mann, he is, um, his trail name is Scout, and Barney and Sandy Mann are in San Diego County. They open their house for a couple months every start of the PCT season around March, April, and they post their phone number online, which is like totally crazy in 2023. And people come, they show up at their house. They are allowed to tell them their dietary restrictions. Barney and Sandy cook two fresh homemade meals every day, drive these people to the AT&T store, drive them to get goods at REI. They let people ship boxes from REI to their houses, and then they drive them to the trail so that they can start. And, and, what, do they, they do and like, what do they ask for? Nothing. They just ask for people to respect, leave no trace, and to pay it forward. That's all they ask. It's crazy. And they're not like they're not like rich. They're just normal. They're like he was a he was an attorney, so he did okay. She was a teacher, a high school teacher, um, taught molecular biology. But they're like, I've seen their house. It's a very modest, normal four bedroom house in a cul-de-sac in a town called University City. It's not fancy. You know, the fan, the most exciting thing they have are like pictures of the PCT, art from the PCT, homemade mugs of the PCT. I mean, they're a diehard trail people and they love what they do. And if you're around them, 
you want to be kind and pay it forward too. Yes. And, and so, um, that, so I experienced a lot of that. Yes. Last year cool. and the, the trail angel stuff. And it was exactly what you just said, you know, giving, you know, doing something to kind of give back and help, help others too. Cause that's what I'm into. And then you talked about the taking people on hikes. Well, that's something I did, at, um, where I guess this may be almost two months now. I, I did a, a 60 mile hike in big bear Lake, California. Oh, cool. I'm going yeah. there in a couple of weeks. And I had, a, a, it was through a, a company uh, called Highlander Adventure. Oh, yeah. My friend just did that, Becky. Uh, did she do that at Big Bear Lake? She did that at Big Bear. And she said that the hiking community was incredible. She's um, an action sports lawyer. Her name is Me- Becky Mendoza. And she runs something called the Changing Tides Foundation. She actually invited me to come, but it was like right before the book launch. It was early, like l- late May, early June. I probably met her because I spoke there too. So yeah, um, I saw I saw pictures and it looked like it was you. And yeah, and uh, yeah, so it was cool. me. So and then, um, but I had about, um, which was was <laughs> it's kind of funny. So I just I put a post. So I've been looking for for as you know, doing adventures and things. I'm just a little more. Everybody, you know, a lot of my community wants to hike with me. They just, you know, and I've been trying to figure that out. I thought about doing pop up hikes or doing these different things, but um, there's so much liability involved. There's so to set these things up and all that. Now I know it's so silly. So I wanted to to it is, and but if somebody fell off a mountain, of course somebody's going to convince them that they need to come sue me. You know, so. I just didn't want to get out. So I've been looking for a place to do these things with. So I ran across this company, Highland, or actually they reached out to me awesome. last year, but I was doing the AT. So I, I just w- didn't want to do anything. So this year I, I said, well, I'm going to go try to, I'm going to check them out. This can be a great venue that works out for my people to come on. Cause they do like two or three of these a year in the United States. They do 30 or so worldwide. No, Shelby, I, uh, this has just been amazing and an honor for you to be on here. Um, there's Thank so many other things me. that I do eventually want to talk to you about. I mean, we touched on just a few things that, are, you know, mostly around the book, but things like that. But I do want to point out, you know, a couple of things just in parting, but, you know, just from what I've been through, but also a big part of this, look, I was, I was raised majority of my childhood by a single mom. And I know how hard it is for a woman and again, this was back in the seventies, you know, again, I'm not a woman and I don't know exactly how much easier or harder it is now, but there's still the same struggles there. And you, as you talked about a little bit, you know, as you were telling your stories, I thought about my mom when I was, uh, when you were talking about only because you were talking about, you went on that one writing assignment and I think you were with nine other dudes and, you know, um, but like that was enjoyable. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I enjoyed that. Highly. <laughs> But you had to, you had to convince. I had to prove myself though. And, and hey, yeah, there's, and there's that's, some hanging. That's, that's unfortunately what you have to do, right? You had to kind of, kind of do that. You had to deal with that, overcoming that a little bit, right? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was lucky. They were very kind to me, but yeah, they definitely gave me a little bit of grief. So, <laughs> so came far for the course. So I, pre- you know, that's, that, I, I appreciate that. Look, but it, your you mom know, sounds like a stud, like good for her. But just uh, the other thing, too, because we were talking about, you, you again, the things I got from your book around mental health. I got through that chapter, I think. And you talked a lot about mental health and the connection to mental health and all that. I was so appreciative of that. That was another thing that was, I'm glad I hit before 
we came on here because otherwise I wouldn't have, you know, been able to listen uh, or speak about how important that is with this all ties into that. The things I needed to listen to today were I needed to listen to, I needed to hear before I came on here. Well, thank you. That, that brings me a lot of joy. I'm glad that the book resonated with you. And that's probably it. I'll save all this for another day. Maybe maybe we're on a beach somewhere. You can teach me how to surf or something. I love that. I love that idea. Um, well, thank you for having me on, Scott. You're a joy. And Paul, thank you for having me on. Yeah, you can get Will to Wild. I think you asked me where, where to send people to. You can get Will to Wild everywhere books are sold. It's called Will to Wild Adventures Great and Small to Change Your Life. They sell it at REI, REI.com, Amazon, Amazon.com. Barnes and Noble, your independent booksellers, maybe even some of your adventure retail stores, if you ask them. Um, and I'm easy to find. I'm shelbystanger.com and shelbystanger on Instagram. And you can listen to Wild Ideas Worth Living and Vitamin Joy. Vitamin Joy has been on pause, but both podcasts, I'm really interested in the intersection of mental health and adventure with Wild Ideas. And with Vitamin Joy, I'm inter- interested in the intersection of mental health with humor. And so you'll see a little bit of overlap, but um, they're a little bit different. And you can get anywhere if there's a podcast. And everybody go get her book and everybody listen to her. Again, the outdoors and the connection with everything uh, that, that can just benefit your life and move you forward is right there in her book. Go get it. Th- thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening, and I hope my podcast has helped you in some way taking the path to becoming a self-care savage. Make sure to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 